Here's Gorlami. Hey guys, and welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers. This is Kenny. This is Paul Damien. This is Ian. And this is Todd. Back for his second appearance. This will be his first appearance. First movie Chronologically. Ah, shit. (laughs) I already (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) All right, well, welcome to the show, Todd, for your very first appearance. Hi. (laughs) Hi. You were supposed to be on our uh, Deer Hunter episode. Yes. And Sex Criminals, no? Oh, and, well... I never read Sex Crims. Yeah, I was just... But you're here now, and that's what's important. Talking about the Unforgivens. Yeah. Yes. So this week we watched uh, the two Unforgiven movies, the yes. 1992 Unforgiven directed by Clint Eastwood. Yep. And then the 2013 Spiritual, as the word my brain was trying to get to, Spiritual remake um, yeah. by Sang Il Lee. Sorry. Okay. Sang Il Lee. Sang okay. Il Lee. Sorry, Sang Il Lee, um, who decided to basically kind of do like a reverse engineer of like, you know, uh, spaghetti westerns and take a american western and do a little what spaghetti western yeah i like that term <laughs> do you know what that means no okay Give it so, to me straight do I. so in, oh really oh. in italy they wanted to continue to have the box office revenue that american western movies were getting but they wanted to reverse engineer them i guess i can take that term from you (laughs) from the americans and produce them themselves there in italy and so they would hire one or two american actors and then a bunch of italian people doing their best like western impressions and so they (laughs) turned out to be not so wonderful movies and so that's what the spaghetti and this is what quentin tarantino loves to reference (laughs) in inglorious bastards and uh once upon a time in hollywood well, and even in Django Unchained. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Django is a hmm. spaghetti western. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like the original, original, original. Oh, yeah. okay. The one that birthed all of the Django's. Right. Yeah. Except for Django Fett. So, <laughs> that's true. so what would we call this? A sushi western? <laughs> I mean... Uh, that's a bit offensive. <laughs> the spaghetti western's not far off either, if we're going to be honest yeah, here. You know? We didn't come up with that. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so... Um, I'm not con- conning the, coining the term by any means, but yeah. So, but is Western not an extremely popular uh, film idea in Japan? Well, so here's the thing: the the so samurai film was the predecessor of the Western, mm-hmm. and so the samurai film, you know, relatively like the 40s, 50s, was this big thing. It was more so the 50s, and it inspired the Western here in America. And so, this is like Kenny was saying; it kind of you it's know, like going back and forth yeah. where it's like finally the Western inspired the, the samurai movie after years and years of, of this, you know, genre existing, right. you know? So I, I, I agree. That is a very cool idea of how this came to be. Playing volleyball over the Pacific. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> They're like, who can write the better uh, loner, you know, <laughs> essentially. True. I, how do you guys feel about these movies? So I'd never seen any of these movies before. Neither Have any? Has anyone here seen either of these movies? No. What I came to realize is I had seen maybe the first twenty minutes of Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. As oh. I was watching it, I was like, I have seen this before, you know. And I and I even knew the premise of it, you know what I mean, as it was happening. Interestingly enough, I somehow knew a lot of the dialogue at the end of the movie. I was like, this must have been referenced somewhere else because I somehow know this as iconic. Where there with uh, he specifically says 
a turn uh, he says a line to little bill mm-hmm. and he he says little bill at the end i'm gonna see if i can find it in the yeah. quotes page on imdb but um i i was like wow i i i've heard this somewhere somewhere it's kind of showing how iconic of a clint eastwood movie i feel like this probably kind of is right you know what I, mean? I can't think off of the top of my head but i definitely know that i've seen things that have referenced this movie mm-hmm. absolutely i've never seen anything for either of these <laughs> in all honesty so what did you think um, did you like these movies i I really did, you know. Um, it I had a real hard time because I was really busy to actually get down and watch these movies. But when I did, I couldn't kind of couldn't take the phone away from me because I was watching on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I was just like, dude, this is why Clint Eastwood is the granddaddy of cowboys, <laughs> you know? Or would he be the daddy? Granddaddy? Yeah, daddy? big daddy. I think. Um, what is John Wayne? Is Would the be granddaddy. the granddaddy. <laughs> okay, John Wayne's the granddaddy. He's the daddy. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And then just watching the second movie, um, just base is. Did we all watch, watch Clint Eastwood's movie first? I'm pretty I sure. Yeah, I think okay. we watched yeah, we it watched chronologically. It. <laughs> I just want to make sure. And I, I really enjoyed it because it was, it's crazy how similar yet how different the movies were. Mm-hmm. Um, like. It was pretty much scene by scene the same movie. It's pretty incredible yeah. how well yeah. this is translated between the two films. And see, I, I think that's interesting because they're I, they definitely have their difference. Their their differences in ways that is what I was most interested to kind of talk about. Which for me, should I wish I need my notebook? The the big things I you wanted to run and go get it real quick. That's fine. Okay. Um, I probably will on our break. Okay. Um, but the big difference for me that was something I really wanted to talk about was the difference in are villains essentially which mm-hmm. is little bill and chief o- oishi is yeah, yeah mm-hmm. oishi um and the fact that i feel like they are written essentially exactly the same but the way they are presented to us or even acted out i got two very com- different impressions from them yeah. you know i didn't walk away from the both the characters the same you know what i mean yeah. Uh, and very much in the sense that I'll just say straight up, like, I feel like Clint Eastwood's version does a great job of kind of making you want to root for Little Bill and see his side of things a little bit more, where Chief Oishi is much more of just like a vain, young, obviously just come into power kind of person. He's a villain. Like, do you feel like yeah, that's more vilified for sure? Do you feel like that's something that's maybe lost in translation where maybe it wasn't because like looking at Gene Hackman playing mm-hmm. Little Bill you can definitely see where he's like fucking up with building his own house. Mm-hmm. And like, he's talking to the, the, the biographers, yeah, both Bo- Beauchamp, like very relatively, they're like very bro as to where Oishi is just very much like standing above everybody mm-hmm. and, and kind mm-hmm. of like above all. It, it's interesting to see it that way. There's all a cat. Yeah. All right. Howling. I, I got to go kill a cat real quick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <gonna> go silent. <laughs> but, uh, another difference between these movies, I would say, because like I said, these movies are pretty much scene by scene, the mm-hmm. exact same movie. But the main differences are like uh, cultural differences. Right. So like the type of weapons they would have had available. Yeah. Um, to the type of punishments they would have. Yeah. Uh, there's a, in, obviously in both movies, they want to kill the people who cut up the woman, right? And in Clint Eastwood's movie, it's... um. She says, like, right after she says, like, kill him. You need to kill him. Yeah. You know? And in the Japanese take of the movie, she's, uh, the woman says, um, cut his head off. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's something that would most likely be happening in that area of the world around that time versus this side of the world around that time. It would be just kill them, maybe like shoot them or hang them or something like that. And Clint, does she say kill them or does she say hang them? She just says kill them. Okay. I think it's mentioned later. uh, That she wants them to be hanged. No, Beauchamp says you should hang the carpenter. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting way of saying like a... You know, like fuck you're him. not doing like, a, the, a good job right now. Who? Oh, yeah. Two no, little. Bill, I thought you were talking about indirectly. me directly. <laughs> I was like, I was like, <laughs> um, no. But the quote that I, I find very fascinating: Jesus, these animals. <laughs> the the quote that I find, or that I found very um, like infamous, I think is. Like literally the last things that Will Money says, or mm-hmm. is it Money? Yeah, yeah, money. Bill yeah. Money. Yeah. Money. He says, um, "Where is it? I, I'm here to kill you, little Bill. You know, like mm-hmm. for what you did to Ned, or what mm-hmm. you done to Ned." And I feel like I've heard that in just being alive on Earth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like someone must have said that around me at one point. Um, but I mean, yeah, it just shows how secretly monumental these movies are. Yeah. Kind of. Absolutely. At least they're the original for sure. Cause I feel like the, the sequel is obviously a symbolic homage to it and probably doesn't quite have the cult following. I mean, I have to imagine it got made because of the cult following the Clint Eastwood movie definitely has, but I understand it. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is like, I don't know how many other Clint Eastwood Westerns y'all have seen, like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, Fistful of Dollars. The only Clint Eastwood movie I've seen is Gran Torino. Okay. I mean, Not, we're yeah. going to go around the table. <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen plenty of them. Okay, uh, like, you have I'll, seen them? No, not. Th- like, oh, I haven't okay. sat down and watched them because Got they're you. just like nothing. Well, see, that's what's going to be my point. Yeah. This is such a much more fleshed out story mm. given to us in a Clint Eastwood Western. It's like a breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? It makes sense why it has its iconicness versus like good bad and the ugly which is iconic because it's got cool music and a lot of standing around you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's like i thought this was so i was a little worried coming into this that we were going to get more of that and that we didn't mm. you know and i was really grateful for that i think it shows that this era of like westerns was trying to be a little it shows where movies were trying to be more epic i think this tombstone is, came out around this time too I, I believe. Yeah, I think you're probably kind of right. And Let we didn't watch that. Are like, <laughs> no, we Tombstone was a year Western. later. Tombstone okay. was a year later. Tombstone you know was what? a year later. If we watch Tombstone, then we also have to watch what the Michael Keaton version. And that's what we would have to compare. Oh, okay. The, I mean, I'm down. Uh, Wyatt Earp. The movie Wyatt Earp. Oh, because it's historically about the same people. No, they're the exact same story. And a oh. fun fact is that... Um, Kurt Russell and Michael Keaton were like kind of frenemies for a little while because of those two movies. Tombstone was like Kurt Russell's baby. He was mm-hmm. basically doing everything in his power to make that get mm-hmm. that movie made. While at the exact same time, Michael Keaton was basically trying to burn it. Are to you the sure ground. it's Michael Keaton? I think it's Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. God damn yeah, it! Right. Don't you dare defame <laughs> <You're right>. Michael <laughs> Keaton. Don't you dare. Also, um, I wonder if Michael Keaton's God. ever been in a. Uh, Western. That would be dope. I'm not sure. Either a Kev cause then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did want to mention, um, before I forget, isn't it kind of crazy that, like, he both, you know, in both iterations of the movie, he just like, he's just like, hey, um, I'm going to leave to the children. I'm going to leave. 
Yes. Oh, yeah, they just leave behind. chicken. Yeah. I think it shows the times yeah. and yeah. that that's oh, yeah. how you, you would have done with kids. Those, but you're was, like, you're old enough to take care of yourself. I just think it's funny because like in my head watching the movie, I'm not thinking about that. Yeah. So like I'm just like, oh, he's going to get a babysitter. <laughs> like for some reason I'm just like it's, he needs a babysitter this is where Michael Keaton comes in as Mr. Yeah. Mom <laughs> but that's why we like thought it was interesting that Morgan Freeman chose to go with him in the original movie because he basically went to Morgan mm. Freeman as the babysitter he's like hey will you just go check on my kids and he's like no I'm coming with you dude like, yeah. let's go and it's like let's oh. talk about that scene because this is the first time I've actually clipped out a soundbite <laughs> from a movie and it's that wonderful wonderful line that that uh Morgan Freeman spouts. I'm going to crank it up real quick. Give me a second. We was young and full of beans. <laughs> I mean, that's what it would be like in the West, you know? They'd yeah. been young. They'd been full of beans. That's all. That's why you've been killing people. It's the beans. <laughs> it's the beans. <laughs> They've all gone rotten. <laughs> Rotted your gun. <laughs> They've rotted your mind. Have y'all ever seen Blades and Saddles in the whole farting scene? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what yes, beans do to you. you know? That's why you're, you're so angry all the time. You're full of farts. What? Just full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's uh, actually what the Westerns should be about. Yes. Just a whole sure. lot of farts. Um, but no, I mean, we literally get analogs for every character introduced mm-hmm. in the 1992 mm-hmm. original. Um translated perfectly into the 2013 remake mm-hmm. and i thought that that was fucking dope i was like i was sure there was going to be a lot of like changes or a lot of like easy like convenience changes that they mm-hmm. kind of make it to where the story kind of runs a little bit better and there is a couple mm-hmm. that i really like that they chose um but it's it's very cool that they literally had analogs for every character mm-hmm. i'm so done with this cat <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. The cat can. I mean, it's okay. I don't care. What? I like cat. And. Oi. You should play that when he gets back. What? We was young and full of beans. I'm not going to wear that one out. It's okay. You want me to pop it? <laughs> Would you record the cat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, Tombstone. That's what we're talking about, That's right? That's what we're talking about <laughs> for some reason Something right now. Like we're actually talking about Unforgiven. Yes. But, yeah, sidebar. Um, <laughs> I mean... It, it's it's incredible that there was perfect analogs for every character. Yeah. Let's let's talk about how they play into the story. I want to talk actually real quick. I think mm-hmm. Todd and I were talking about this off pod. Um, in the nineteen ninety two original, yeah, I feel like I give Clint Eastwood, Clist, Cliff Eastwood, <laughs> Cliff Eastwood, <laughs> dude, that just one. <laughs> what is his name? Wood. Clint yeah. Okay. Eastwood. Okay. I give Clint Eastwood a like the lowest acting grade out of the whole crew. That's the two thumbs He's not a great actor. I've never thought so. He's just a good cowboy. I don't think he was terrible. I just feel like, what the fuck? There was, it was like he was standing up there reciting lines. There was no emotion and maybe his character doesn't have emotion. But still, on top of that, you can still act somewhat. 
you can still put on a performance. He's just reading lines. It's because he can't critique himself. Uh, and so the fact that he's directing himself, he, there's no director being like, hey, oh, you need to be more uh, emotional oh, in this scene. He just went up there, did it, and was like, all right, that's good. Next scene. <laughs> I and he just like, moved on. Did he direct yeah. Gran Torino? Yes, he yes, did. He did. Oh, okay, no wonder, because in that movie, he's <laughs> god-awful as well. I feel like this is like the way he acted at the end of the movie. He was probably like, so did I get the part? <laughs> <laughs> Did I get the part? <laughs> he didn't realize he was making it the whole time. <laughs> See, for me, w- like walking away from the final scene, I'm just like, oh, dude, he thinks he's so badass. And it, no, nothing felt that badass about any of it. Really? I, I really the, like the, the, the final scene. scene. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought the final scene, let's talk about that. Well, I mean, let's talk about the whole movie. Because, like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a, I guess, a redemption tale. There's no, this is. This That's what I was interested in about the t- title and being unforgiven. There was nothing I really could reminisce to understand why that was the title. Because of this nobody movie. is nobody is forgiven in the, in the movie throughout the entire thing. There's so many villains and nobody is forgiven for anything. Oh. Even at the end of it, William Money still walks away being the quote unquote piece of shit that it describes him as in the beginning. That's kind of true because that's what the final rolling credits are meant mm. to kind of be about. Is like the mom never understands. And I don't know about any of you, but the only person that I was ever rooting for in either of the movies, well, no, that's not true. I rooted for Goro in the second, or yeah, in the 2013 film. Mm-hmm. But the younger assailant, the one that tries to ask yeah. for forgiveness, mm-hmm. is the only person that I was like, I want to root for this Dude. guy. He's the only person that I felt like was trying to be better, a good guy. Which one was better? The second one. Oh, which movie? Ken, Ken Watanabe's. You think Ken Watanabe's is better? Yes. Wait, wait, oh, out of the two movies. Yes. yes. That's just overall. I can't say which is better versus which I preferred because those are two very so vastly things. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, go on. You know, what did you, were you confused with? Because like, the well, the I was going to start talking about this guy that Todd was talking about and yeah. then out of nowhere, the, the conversation <laughs> jumped so harsh. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. So the younger assailant. The yeah, younger so assailant. the younger assailant, I his death in the t- 1992 was unsettling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the one in the the fucking 13th the 2013 it was just like he wasn't he, like sure his leg was pretty fucked up and he probably wasn't gonna survive from that like in the times given but like he wasn't that dead yeah you know what i mean like the other guy was bleeding out you know like i feel like the the they kind of <laughs> xbox uh, xbox off thank you uh, well, oh, I chose that like they kind of uh, approached violence in very different manners, and I think the Ken Watanabe ah. version was meant to be much more emotional when we got to those kind of violent mm-hmm. scenes. You know what I mean? Where the Clint Eastwood, it was much more kind of like kind of of the time of the time and, a, the, and the, more americanized to... where it's like intense you know what i mean it's like an, it's like actiony you know no, what i mean it's like an true. epic thing that's kind of going on that's you know more where and um it's like weird where we get kind of different emotional pulls where i feel like the first one does a good job of giving us an emotional pull on both sides where you see like mm-hmm. the repercussions mm-hmm. of your action but the ken watanabe does the 2013 version does such a good job of showing you like the emotional toll of truly taking a life. You know what yeah. I mean? Not so much of like, oh, that guy had friends so much as that guy was a living person and now we just stabbed him to death yeah. brutally, you know? <laughs> so let's go back to your question real quick. Well, I was actually, 
I thought you were talking about somebody else. I thought oh. you were talking about the younger kid in the trio. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so or, Goro is who Goro. we mentioned yeah. was the one Goro he was rooting or the for, Schofield or kid. the Schofield kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so which, yeah. which one do you think played that kind of role the best? Goro. Oh, well, yeah, Goro. The Goro? Schofield kid, I feel like, was almost as bad of an actor as Clint Eastwood. I think he, he did a really good job. Um, with whenever, what he was given, yeah. Well, at the end, whenever he like started breaking down, oh, and running away, yeah, he was yeah. pretty decent there. He did, he did a really good job there. I don't think he was that bad of an actor, but, but I, I did don't like the Goro one. I don't think he was <laughs> as impactful as Goro because because that's, Goro was extremely animated and almost the um, what is it, the uh, comedic relief. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. He was like if, the thing is, is they both start kind of down here when you're introduced to mm-hmm. them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And by the time, but I will say that by the end of it, you do you're rooting for Goro so much more than you're rooting for the Schofield kid. Yes. And what I'll give the 2013 version is it gives you such a happier ending to the entire idea of this movie than yeah. the 1992 version is, which is like, oh well, their their killer dad just came home and took him <laughs> to go live in San Francisco. <laughs> this the- is like the young couple who will probably never find anybody else right. gets these two kids who. Need a father, you know. I, like, I want to talk about family. That. So, I mean, the the 1992 movie it has prologue text and epilogue text mm-hmm. that I felt was unnecessary, amazingly unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, it had nothing to do with the movie. We never even see the mom, and it's all about her. <laughs> I was blown away that when they had the epilogue text, I was like, "Oh, this is a reference to the prologue that had fucking nothing to do with the whole movie." I forgot it existed. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot it too, and I feel like it's just something that Clint Eastwood was like, this needs to be. It's poetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like poetic. It's Western. I feel like I was like almost wanting to be very John Wayne in like that time period just after silent films where they mm-hmm. still had like a lot of like, you know, like titled exposition in your movies like that. It this does your wrap hero. up his chivalrous, in quotes, character. Yeah, but I mean, we'll talk about the 2013 ending here in a second, but Goro is a cool mirror to Ken Watanabe Mm -hmm. in the 2013 movie. Yeah. Jubei and Goro. Cause there's the whole underlying part that they introduce into the 2013 remake where it's the Ainu people, the indigenous people of the Northern islands and Goro is one of them. And they're trying to like, uh, like take away their culture and, and, Mm -hmm. and redo them into like more Japanese traditional stuff. And they have their own language and stuff like that. And, we see that that uh, Jubei had married an Ainu woman. Yes. And so then, their children are both. Right. And so then... They get both parents. Yeah, Goro and then the, the woman who gets scarred at the beginning of the movie come back as their, like, mirrored version yeah. of the parents. I don't know. I just found that... So tremendously more poetic. Exactly, yes. that's my point. It has a much more satisfying ending. You know what I mean? Like the Japanese, he obviously took the time to write a better ending to his movie. You know, and, and that's it was probably also, what he wanted. You yeah, know? it was From also the- weirdly like setting up like the possibility of a sequel because Jubei's still out there. You know, <laughs> well, Goro's still out there. You, you did that really too. well. Like your voice, Jubei's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> He's boinging around up there. Um, but let's go back to Paul Damien's question. Which one do you like better? I like the Japanese. You like one the 2013 a lot better. Yeah, it's just because it's a much more fleshed out story. Like how y'all were talking about earlier. Like this movie is like Clint Eastwood's most fleshed out story. I mean, like, that we were aware they, of yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but. They just did an even better job. They just, they're like, okay, but that wasn't enough. And so they added everything else that they needed, you know? 
And then how do you feel? How do I feel? I feel that exactly the same is that it's more fleshed out in the original movie. You don't know who to root for in the Japanese mo- uh, remake or spiritual remake. True. It's so simple that Ken needs this money mm-hmm. to feed his children because all of the plants have gone bad. Sure. In the first film, half the pigs are sick, but they still have the other half in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, in the Japanese version. There's so much more that makes you root for Jubei and not for what's the prefect's name? Um, oh, in the 1992. Mooney. What are you Will Mooney? No, no, no. Money. In the uh, the Prefects. the sheriff. Oh, Chief Oishi. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oishi. There's so much more that separates the two characters. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. true. I mean, I like. I feel like the 1992 movie is as confused as the characters are. <laughs> Yeah. And I yeah. I don't mean that as a diss. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is not my diss track to Unforgiven 1992. <laughs> but it's there. Everyone is lost in communication. And that's very relevant at the very beginning where, you know, the the Schofield kid is coming to fucking old man Clint. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they cut her eyes out. They cut, you the know, the information on her. Yeah, how damaged she is. Yeah, and even Goro uh, sees her, and she's and he's just like, oh, you're not even half as bad as it was made it, out it to be. That part was so cute and <laughs> stupid, and I was just like, I hope these two end up together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. My thing is that that whole aspect of the movie ask kind of explains like what happened to um, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood's character, um, which is just that it, it seems like word just got around and it was worse than what actually happened. And yeah, that's no, in yeah. both films. No, for sure. I mean, do you? Which one do you like better? Can so I? yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna get on my soapbox here just a little bit. Um, and so the thing is, is exactly which one I prefer, which is which versus like which one I think is better. I think they're two kind of different, different things. Yes, you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. The 2013 version is a much more digestible, fleshed-out story that is beyond a doubt and a fact. You know what I mean? Exactly. They took, he essentially took the thing, the weaknesses from, or the weaknesses he would see in Clint Eastwood's movie, and tried to like make them mm. make more sense. Specifically, the ending. You know what I mean? Um, and you know the divergence on basically good and evil. I mean, there's so much more fleshed out in the Japanese version, but I also think that could be considered a weakness for it, which I think is this one. Like you were just explaining, where everyone's kind of confused in the Clint Eastwood version. The fact that we kind of want to root for Little Bill is such a strength in that movie, in my yes. opinion. And it really comes home between the difference between... I had the characters' names written down. But what, the difference we between our experiences with Little Bill and English Bob and Chief Oishi and his name was Kikoji, yeah. which is the samurai that shows up first. Which is... He's dope. I love mm-hmm. both English those, Bob and... Yeah. Yeah, those two things were so greatly... Those were two of the biggest divergences between the films, in my opinion, because English Bob from the moment we see him, is painted as a shitty liar. You know what I mean? He's obviously painting falsehoods about himself to this biographer. Mm -hmm. And so when all of that is coming out from Gene Hackman or from Little Bill... It, it, you, it makes so much sense. You're like, oh, yeah, like, obviously this guy would paint these ridiculous stories about himself being the hero in every situation. When, he's when we villain. hear the, yeah, the Cochrane story, I was like so blown away by that because, like, especially the part where he's like, he didn't have two guns. He had a dick the length of two guns. Yeah. That's why they called him two gun. Uh, it's like stuff like that would show how much someone would misread a story or misinterpret a story. Mm-hmm. But then when we get the Ronin in this remake, yeah. he isn't 
particularly a bad guy. You know what I mean? He's actually kind of a good guy, probably telling more ingenuine stories about himself, you know, if, or we don't really see that moment where he's obviously a liar or a fake. If anything, mm-hmm. Chief Oishi comes off as the one who's like, once again, a young into power guy who's just going to beat up some old dude that he wants to show, oh, I'm the, I have more power than you now, yeah. you know? And so the, that divergence between the villains is so important to me because it's what I think makes the Clint Eastwood movie stronger in a cinematical way you know I what think, i mean i think it helps it make it also more interesting like like what i was saying is that i did enjoy more in the japanese version that you have a more obvious person to root for in the original i think maybe they weren't going for good and evil the lines are so much more blurred exactly for, on what i'm going this for. is a story and i think that that those scenes essentially are what differentiate these movies at the end of the day it's that moment or that scene that pretty much creates the branches that make them two different things, you know, two different entities. Um, I want to talk about English Bob mm -hmm. and and that Ronin, because their whole existence story plot wise, like they are just plot devices to show that Oishi or little Bill are much more like, you know, stronger. They're, they're Mm -hmm. more fierce. They're more, they're a a force to be reckoned with. Exactly. And, I think it's interesting because they even pull that trick with us as the audience with English Bob because he does shoot eight out of ten pheasants. Oh, true. You know what I mean? And off of the moving train. And so it's like it's very odd that English Bob character and it it is kind of like what, you know, is really like history, which is what we're supposed to take away from Buchamp, which is like a lot of this stuff did happen but is also blown out of proportions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and so I think English Bob is so cool. I low-key was hoping there would be another Englishman in the Japanese remake oh, as yeah. like like just this English guy that comes into and is all hoity-toity. I He's was like an English bounty hunter in yeah. Japan. <laughs> I was I was expecting like maybe a Korean person or a or a Chinese person to Me come too. in and play that role. Yeah. But, I mean, regardless, I really do like the more traditional samurai that that man was. Because we don't see another samurai like that again. Because he even has, like, the two blades on him and everything, you know? But also, like, what uh, Officer Oishi says to him. Like, he basically tells him that he's out of fashion being a samurai. True. Yeah. I I really like that um, when he told the the writer. Mm -hmm. he In the Japanese film, he tells him... Um, the survivors are the heroes and the people who died are the villains. Yeah. And that just goes back to everything that we're saying. Yeah. Where like everything's blown out of proportion and everything's just kind of falsehoods, yeah. you know? And so, I, oh, go, oh, go ahead. I was I, just going to say, I don't feel like either of these, I would have enjoyed either of these movies as much if I didn't watch them back to back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. My, uh, I was just going to say one other thing that coming back to what I was talking to and on my soapbox on the differences between them <laughs> um, is that one of the other things that just drove me a little bit nuts that the Japanese film decided to do was basically give us the information that he didn't actually kill the women and children and Christians oh. in the event where mm-hmm. in the original uh, – he, the stories of him killing women and children, whether it is true or not, we never, that's never definitively yeah. told to us. We're Wait, just, so it is definitively proven one way or the other in the Japanese film? He essentially admits, like, he's uh, like, he's he, like, he you gotta tell the kid. You need to tell the him truth. the truth because, mm. yeah, you, you yeah. didn't actually do those horrible and he things. He just, like, looks down in shame. I mean, okay. it's because he likes the reputation, you know? We do get a lot, like, because we see him, like, very, like, animalistic at the very beginning of the movie you know what i mean where mm-hmm. he's like killing that guy savagely yes and, like, 
eating his food and stuff. Yeah, and I'm just like, what is that? I don't know how much of that is relevant to the film. You know what I mean? They kind of both have like a useless exposition at the beginning. Yeah, (laughs) it's kind of interesting. But Um, um, so that was one thing I just feel like I prefer. I think I preferred the Japanese film as well. I think if I was going to sit down and rewatch one mm-hmm. of them, it would probably be that. I think that the original has some strengths that make it overall a more cinematic, iconic film that it has become, and I understand why. You know? Do you want to take us to break? You've never yes, done that's true. So I think we're just going to go to break real quick. And so when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of The Unforgivens. Ooh. Well, hey, guys, and welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers. Are we all Western men now? Exactly. Well, how do they do? I don't do a good Western. You can do a Western accent. I know you can. Yeehaw. All right. (laughs) Listen here, bub. Today, we're talking about Unforgiven. Are you Wolverine? (laughs) (laughs) A Canadian Western over here. It's Canadian Western. Here, Jackman. He's just but. like me, but he he eats the curds. He's a huge acne. He eats cheese curds. And Australian, right? He yeah. is Australian, yeah. Okay, anyway, one thing anyway. we like about Westerns. Oh, well, and actually, I didn't even mean Westerns. One thing I like about samurai movies oh. are that <laughs> in the Meiji period is I always uh-huh. kind of like getting the mix of like samurais and guns. Like the closure yeah. of samurais yeah, almost. exactly. And The Last Samurai, funny enough, also being a big Ken Watanabe movie is one that I love dearly, honestly. And I got, I'm, and it's a good, hey, it's got a, it's got its strengths. Is that the one with Tom Cruise? Yeah, yes. that's the one with Tom Cruise. Oh my Cruise. God. What? Now I want to know. I don't like that movie. Oh, it's fine if you don't give a shit about that movie. I kind of like that movie. It's fine. And honestly, Tom Cruise and Ken Watanabe both put on incredibly strong performances yep. in that movie. And okay, that's if I were to, for it. if I were to close off my mind's eye and think, fantasy movie. Yeah. And, and like that could be possible then yeah, yeah maybe it's, just, it's okay yeah, yes it is a uh, you know white justice movie, <laughs> you know, movie in a little bit but it's supposed to be based on a real thing you know it's like yeah. it's got that excuse to basically be what it is either way the point i'm bringing up is exactly i love meji period end of the samurai the ronin kind of being hunt down time period mm-hmm. and i'm so glad that he chose to like put it in True. that time period because he could have done it you know a hundred years before this and it just been pure samurai. samurai you know what Ooh. i mean like and like a, an, an ex-ronin you know coming out of retirement to hunt down something for the shogun you know there right. was something that it could have definitely been done yeah but i love that we got like this world where exactly we still got to have like the violence of guns or the imbalance that guns would bring to this world mm-hmm. of still semi sword fair you know both both movies were actually in the same years well yeah oh is I that thought right they were 10 that, years yeah. apart i thought no. that no they, they, they were both in 1880 I thought that the first or the Japanese one was in 1870. No, no they're definitely in the start, 1880s. The, okay. the beginning. Okay, that, that sequence yeah. of him running in the snow. That but, blows my mind. What if then, they were happening at the same fucking time? They could like, what if they exist been. in the yeah. same universe? Oh, <laughs> they no. They could. <laughs> That's so sick. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, the time period in both movies, I feel like, are very... Um, I think that's like the best way. It's like almost the closure of the Western, the closure of the samurai film is these like very sorrowful in quotes, old man, like redeeming himself in quotes again. Mm-hmm. Um, Clint Eastwood. Clint, uh, I keep Good saying geez. his name fucking wrong. <laughs> Clint Eastward. He's going Eastward. <laughs> <laughs> Clint Eastwood. This movie came out the year I was born mm-hmm. and he was an old man in this movie. Isn't that wild? <laughs> 
And he's still making movies. Dude, he's And he's still an old man. (laughs) Somehow. The wrinkles on his fucking neck, I was impressed with, because they were deep on the sides of his neck. How does a person get that? How the fuck? Turtle skin? Was he turtling the whole time, like, just shrunk into his shoulders every day to, like, get that? It's because every Western he's ever shot was in the real sun. (laughs) (laughs) He's wrinkled into (laughs) was probably his best parts in the movie which what oh sorry i'm talking about clint eastwood but Uh it's um eastward yeah eastward (laughs) sorry clint eastward um (laughs) it's when they're telling him that um was it ben who's ben morgan freeman's character ned oh ned Ned, ben (laughs) <laughs> it's Ned been, Logan. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're, when they're telling him that uh, Ned was killed, and he like starts drinking the whiskey, mm-hmm. and then he proceeds like from there. That was honestly his best acting in the movie. I feel like. And one thing I <laughs> um, liked about his version better than the Japanese version a little bit is the same thing. The theatrics of it, mm-hmm. where as he's just being given the information, he just grabs the bottle and starts taking Dude. swigs with no, no no context or stop. Yeah, it was obviously- much more intense in that scene in the 92 version mm-hmm. with Clint Eastwood because like the whole move, the whole thing, he's been very, very adamant about not taking a drink. They do it in the 2013 mm-hmm. movie, but it's not as like focused on, yeah, mm-hmm. focused on. And so when you first see him take that first swig from that whiskey bottle, you're just like, Oh fuck. And the fact that the movie that once again, doesn't even take the time to stop and like make a point of it. You just yeah. have to be like, Oh shit. He's just, he's drinking right yeah. now. Like, yeah, like it really builds on you where the theatrics of the second one, you know, where he walks up and takes the bottle and swigs the whole thing and then drops it in the snow. is just so much more like, okay, overly cheesy you know yeah. it brings on the cheese you know but like in the last 15 seconds before that jube finishes the bottle and then it cuts back to him again and he has like a brand new bottle basically <laughs> i didn't notice that oh, yeah i didn't see that i want to mention a fault story-wise that both of these movies do and i feel like it's only the 2013 versions like it's just bound to happen in that one because it happens in the first one mm-hmm. which is that um conveniently our protagonist has a cold upon the first time they meet the little bill archetype. I think it's meant mm-hmm. to be argued that the alcohol is what keeps the other two from getting sick. And it's because he's not drinking yeah. is why he gets sickly. Yeah, because it's supposed is... to warm your body or yeah. something like that. That's literally the argument we're supposed to take from that. Yeah, that is that. Uh, but I find it dog shit. Mm-hmm. And I find it annoying because it's like. I don't know. It, it's smart writer would have figured out how to not have Jubei or Bill Mooney in that scene or vice versa, not have little Bill somehow, somehow he's preoccupied. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's dumb for them to finally to say like, Oh, he's about to die right here because he's so sick. And then somehow come back and redeem himself for, you know, the sins to, to basically staple down the sins that he's committed. You know what I mean? I just, well, I find it frustrating in both versions. My thing is that like, they're just trying to be historically accurate. Like back then in 1880, everything was medicine. Especially the alcohol. So if he wasn't taking his medicine, he got sick. You got to think about it like that. You're not a historian. He didn't smoke enough medicine sticks. (laughs) (laughs) See, but that's yet another scene where I feel like the 92 version is a little bit stronger because 
I understand why little Bill kicks the shit out of Clint Eastwood because sick mm-hmm. or not, he sits there and lies about having a gun on him. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. why lie? Where it, Ken Watanabe doesn't say just, shit and yeah. they just take the sword away and then kick the shit out of him. It's like, he didn't do anything. He was just laying there sick. Like, what I, the hell? I like that Ken Watanabe's character, Jubei, had a stature. Yeah. A notable statue. Oh, true. That's all it took. Well, that's why they kicked the shit out of him is because he's notorious, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I like that a lot because it it makes more sense as to where, like, well, I don't know. The 92 version is also, it makes a lot of sense because they travel states and states, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah, but the United States is significantly larger than Japan. So right. I can imagine a single face would be much more iconic in Japan than right. and know all the outlaws of the United States at that time. You know what I mean? Cause at the end of the day, Will Mooney was still just one of many Moonies running around being jackasses during that time period, you know, but also both little bill and officer Oishi see and expect the protagonist to be an assassin. Oh, right. That yeah. is true. Mm-hmm. They're coming on him strong, but you know, also, in the 92 version, mm-hmm. um, they don't say to Little Bill or any of the other people that he's Will Mooney until later on in the yeah, movie right. when they kill Ned. Right. Um, how do you feel about the legalities in the 92 version? Because we obviously had the Second Amendment at this time, right? How do you feel mm-hmm. about a city that is somehow able to govern themselves to the point where it's like only we are able to. I mean, that well, I mean it's a citywide ordinance. We still have those today, citywide ordinance. That's But then it's also like, oh, but also prostitution is legal. You know what I mean? It's like. It's a wild west. No, I know. I, I, I'm right there <laughs> with wild, you. It's just west. crazy to me that like. But it's also post-Civil War, and these girls are apparently owned. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. It's just wild, like how. I mean, it is the wild it's a west. Wild west <laughs> it's just crazy to me. I, I found it so odd, you know. It's, wild, wild west, yeah. but I mean, it 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 must make sense. It just feels like fuck. Like it's crazy is, for oh, me to think is, that this time wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? That's yeah. where it breaks my brain. Is we watch yeah. this stuff, and I'm like, God, this was like hundreds of years ago. And then it's, you know, and then it's like, no, they have guns. This was like well, you know, years this ago. couldn't even been two hundred years. Yeah. yeah. That's where it breaks me, especially the Japanese remake, because exactly the point you make, they're still running around with samurai swords and, you know, wearing nothing mm-hmm. but cloaks. And it's like that. This is where t- guns and trains and technology already greatly existed. You know, um, I do like how concise the 2013 version is, like how you were saying earlier. I, I just realized I didn't say which one I liked more. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do respect the 2000 or the 1992 version a lot. I, mm. but um, mostly because of Gene Hackman. I feel like Gene Hackman is a much better actor as Little Bill than mm. Clint Eastwood is as fucking his character. William Money. William Money. Bill Money. Th- there's so many bills in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Morgan Freeman showing up? I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was not expecting that, but he was a saving grace for me at that time. Between the refrain that kept playing the piano mm-hmm. and... uh, uh fucking morgan freeman i i i really was able to stick with the movie and watch it more i i honestly wasn't expecting it either but i was really happy to see him in there and i was really bummed out to see him die and be in the casket at the end i thought that was really fucked up who do you think was more powerful ned or or kingo is it kigo kingo kingo ned Ned. you thought ned was a more powerful kind of death for y'all i because over kingo I, I I liked Kingo, but I feel like the 
uh, whole the weight of Ned was transferred to Goro. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I found Kingo constantly sympathetic, where I was very sad and sorry for this old man that wanted to travel across the continent to go kill the men who scarred this, you know, woman. And then for him to not be able to finish the job when it came to killing the kid, much like Ned, but like to the point where he was like, I lied the whole time. Like, I I can't do this. There's nothing for me. I feel like they kind of flip flop flopped those characters a little bit where in the original the Schofield kid is the one who comes with the right. mission and Ned yeah. tags along where you know you know Kingo comes with the mission and then Goro. What, is, what is Goro is the one who eventually tags along that was the only thing I feel like made Kingo's character a little bit weaker is that he's the one who came with the mission to yes. assassinate them but if it wouldn't have been for that I would definitely say him because I feel like that actor just Wait, had what a do you mean? I would say Kingo was the more dramatic oh, death for uh, me yeah, because for sure. I feel like that actor exactly just came on so much more sympathetic and strong mm. where Ned was basically just like the angel on Mooney's shoulder sure, the yeah. whole movie. You know, for he was sure. basically just meant to be his moral compass. Kingo was his own conflicted character just kind of going through it. You know what I mean? I do have to say n- seeing Ned in the casket was sadder for me. Mm. Oh, while interesting watching or, or seeing Kingo hanging there was more gut-wrenching mm-hmm. for sure yeah I think you're right going um, back to the violence like we, the Schofield kids one kill versus Goro's one kill being much more one much easier than the other in yeah. my opinion you know obviously they both hesitate but the Schofield kid gets off way easier the <laughs> yeah. 1992 version I felt like was suddenly like there's no conflict here what the fuck just happened and the 2013 version is like oh shit are they gonna both make it out of here are they gonna change the story you yeah. know what I mean so I, I I did like that a lot mm-hmm. did you have anything to say I can't for the life of me remember what I was <laughs> yeah but that's where I really think that it meant to the second movie meant to like lean into the violence as more of like an emotional force as feeling the toll of taking a life you know mm-hmm. how hard it can be even physically to the mm-hmm. point that you're you're i can imagine your men- mental state would be kind of holding you back in a way you yeah. know what i mean like as much as you're trying to do it at the same time part of you is being like quit your shit you know so it's um, crazy. one thing that i felt weird about was that uh i can't think of his name which one? Which one? Clint Eastwood had <laughs> so much trouble getting onto his horse. It was almost like it was a Chekhov's gun. Like there was something that was going to happen oh, with getting onto that That's horse. So and nothing ever and, comes of and it. And they kind of even hinted at it in that moment where he couldn't quite get on his horse. And fast he's like, enough. here, cover me. And there's no suspense in my mind. At no point am I just like, oh, Clint Eastwood might get shot here. But in, and then when Jube can't get on the horse, they make no deal of it. It's not so, f- there's, the movie doesn't fixate on it no. for a second. It's, they made it the joke at the very beginning and yeah. didn't worry about it for the rest of the movie. Well, they kind of did it for a second there at the outhouse, but I think oh, it's, just, it was never it's just as show, big of a deal. Well, it's just for him to be shoddy and not like yeah. at his top. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think it was more because, um, I mean, in the second movie, he, he makes a kind of like a joke. Like, oh, the horse hasn't been written yeah, in a long time. Nobody's been on him for so long. Yeah, which I feel like is much more realistic True. than you just altogether forgetting how to ride a horse yeah you know well, his the, excuse in the first movie is that the horse is getting back at his ass for <laughs> abusing it all those years yeah. you know <laughs> which is probably also kind of a realistic that's, thing yeah, fair enough yeah that's interesting i forgot about that in the 1992 version he constantly talks about how he's abused a lot of animals <laughs> 
Roxanne has killed everything that walks or crawls. <laughs> What's it called? I remembered Sorry. what I was going to say earlier. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, that's the perfect noise for that. Um, so Kenny was talking about uh, Ned being the uh, moral compass, right? right. For Clint Eastwood, yeah. I think the most like moral compassy part of him was when he was like, "Hey, yo, I'm gonna go fuck these bitches. Uh, you want to come <laughs> fuck some bitches with me too?" He's like, "Nah, you don't want to do that." And he yeah, goes, oh. yeah, "Never mind, but I'll be, I'll be back." <laughs> Dude, <laughs> and I, he leaves. I loved the scene where Goro and Kinko were running out of, and the prostitute <laughs> yeah. slaps his ass. Yeah. <laughs> you called him Kinko. <laughs> Kingo. Same thing. What's a printer? (laughs) Dingo. I love Kingo's name. I think it's so cool. It's literally just King O. Kingo. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay. So now I want to ask you guys. Uh It's been. It was twenty-one years between the The iterations. Yes. Um, Holy shit. Standing right now on IMDb, Unforgiven nineteen ninety-two has an eight point two. And oh. the 2013 remake, a remake, 7. I almost said remix, right? Or 7.8? It's a 7.0. Oh. Mm. 7.0. I feel like. That's not fair. That is not fair. And do you think that this movie, because there is a little bit of a, a lost in translation for us where we don't know for sure how well these lines were said by these characters. Do you feel like that's a fair rating when it comes to those two? Um, no, because no. I feel like the, the filmography, like the way it's directed and everything. Dude, I want to say real quick, the soundtrack in the 2013 version was fucking phenomenal. Well, and the use of music. There's so much of that movie that is dead silent and it's just like clanking bottles and bodies crawling on the floor or like the most like gritty sounds. And there's never a moment of music until the moment's really getting intense until he's gripping the bottle. And, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. and I thought that was such they, the use of music in the remake was beautiful and very sub- selective. You know? I think yeah. in every aspect, I would rate the th- 2013 film higher. How much higher though? Not much, but I definitely know not at a, what? 1.7 deficit. It's, yeah. It's 7.7 7 out of 10. Yeah. What are you saying the deficit oh, between them? What was it? An it was 8. Oh, an 8.2. 8. So a 1.2 so deficit. It would not be a 1.2 deficit. What about you? Are we like what do you, doing Oh, no, we're not rating it. No, oh, I, like, I'm just saying like, what? why do you why think do that's you, a fair difference between the two movies? Why do you think movies? it's like that? Do you think um, it's the fact that it's a remake? Well, let me like, try to think of what I would rate it first. I have well, to let, believe all well, that. Let's hold that. I'm not going to say it, but... Because this came exactly, what, 21 years? Is I, yes. I don't think that's that bad. But I, I would flip those around. Do you think it's the, the American audience that's rating yes, it? Yes, that's yeah. my, the point I'm getting to, is you Hands have down. your fucking... Diehards. Diehards who love the original movie, so they went into this movie like, it better be the fucking exact same goddamn thing. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, it is. But the differences that I've even mm-hmm. talked about in this cast show that they could have easily been like, why did I like that? Why did, yeah. why did Kinko? <laughs> Kinko. <laughs> why did he bring the mission? You know, like, yeah. there's just so much I could see those petty little people picking apart in this movie and low, low-balling it just for it not being Clint Eastwood. Yeah. You know? I also but, So you say, don't think that that is an honest representation of the two? I don't think so either. I think these movies honestly deserve the exact same rating. I think they, they are both great they're very similar, but they're the differences they have between each other give them equal strengths. 
is what I would step away from it and saying. You know, I That's think they're I think they're honestly equally good movies. I wouldn't say either's better than the other in a way. So Todd, we rate the movies here on the podcast. I'm gonna go ahead and ask you guys for your ratings. Yeah, it's um, a five system. You can do point whatever. You know. What yeah, I mean? it's it's one out of five, and then yeah, points. But no, no, no past that. No tenths. No past the tenths. Okay. So Todd, do you want to go first? No. <laughs> Gauge our ratings. Are um, we gonna rate both? Gauge our. I'm gonna rate. I'm gonna rate both of them. Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm gonna. I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Because I'm springing it on you guys right now. Um. I'm going to give the two or the 1992 version. Oh man. I'm going to give it, I think a 3.8. I really like this movie and I feel like it is like a, a must see. Like I, I think when it comes to, um, Western movies, I think that this is probably one of the better ones because it's not so, you know, stereotypical when it comes to, what a western should be mm-hmm. and i love i I, re- I can't get over gene hackman as a little bill in this movie and as confusing as his as his motivations are sometimes in the movie because i i i have i talked to todd about this on the pod or out of the podcast but if little bill or oichi doesn't give a shit about these guys why doesn't he just kill them himself and like say like hey any assassins that are coming to kill these guys we already did it don't worry about it you know what i mean or like hide them away even further or something you know what i mean like my my takeaway from that or what i took his motivation for being in that like how i could rationalize bill's mentality is that it's he's like these two guys don't deserve to die for what they did uh-oh. it's like you know and so he's and so he makes the deal and then he's and then he turns around and is like now I have to now. I find out that these bitches all came together. This is his mentality, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> these bitches came together and are now offering all anybody they can talk to a thousand dollars to kill these two guys. It's like, great, they're bringing this shit to my town that I have cultivated to be safe, you know. Yeah. And it's like it's such a frustration for him. It's like something that got out of his control, but he doesn't want to necessarily. He still doesn't think these two dudes deserve. I never think he thinks these guys deserve to die for okay, anything yeah. they've done, you know. I think and in- so. It's not even him protecting them at a point so much as just being frustrated that it's like snowballing out of his control that it started as something that should have just ended right there that night, you know? Right. I think that in, I think in the 92 version, Bill says something about it, but in the 2013 version, mm-hmm. OHE does say that these guys work hard, they pay their taxes, they're good citizens, they've just done something bad today. Yeah. And that's why he doesn't want to kill them. Exactly. I think it's really his moral compass in not wanting death. You know what yeah. I mean? Because you notice he could have easily killed English Bob and hung his body up as so a warning, a, you know, but no he doesn't. Assassins. He just kicks the living shit out of him and sends him on his way, mm-hmm. you know? So I think. So then why does he have to kill Ned and say no assassins? Because he's just so fucking frustrated. He, <laughs> because he kills, somebody he kills, has already died at that well, point. He kills Ned because he finds out both brothers have been killed. And it's like, all right, well. well no. They said that he. he kept beating ned because he found out the second brother had been killed he killed him for their actions is what we find out well the 2013 i give it a 3.9 3.9 so one point better (laughs) yeah yeah sorry we got off the rails here it's all right (laughs) i just i don't i don't think um all i was trying to say was i don't think little bill is he even thinks out correctly yeah like he 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 conflicts in his own thought process. See, and that's interesting because I think they gave him a pretty set moral compass, like a very set moral compass for us to follow, at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is who he is. He, he is the lawman of his town, you know, just trying to keep control. What do you rate the movie? 
Dame Paulian? Uh, I would give the 92 version um, like a 3.2. Okay. Dang. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I'm not really a Western guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, As note by Rango. Yes. You didn't have a lot to say on that episode. True. I did not. I really did not. <laughs> did you already like... Uh, yeah, I edited that okay. one. Yeah. That <laughs> one comes so out this Friday. Dang, uh, <laughs> you couldn't wrangle together some words? Sorry. That was bad. That was really bad. Um, but but no, I mean, I enjoyed the movie, but it's just not my style of movie. So that's why I'm giving it a 3.2. Yeah. Um, the 2013, I would definitely give it a 3.5. And oh. I felt just because I felt like that was much more fleshed out. Um, I did like the soundtrack more as well. And I I just, I don't know. I I, I like that the this, this story had more to, like, keep you in track. You know what I and mean? And an ending. Yeah, and an ending, yeah. <laughs> it had a, a beginning and an ending, a finishing point. And that's what we needed in the first one. Yeah, I do like Oh, you the, want me to go next? Yeah. Okay, so I think that I would give... Probably the 92 version of 3.5. I, I would rate it higher, but being Clint Eastwood, having the main character be such a bad actor. Not bad, but poor actor. <laughs> Mediocre. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that I would have to hold not, it back for that. Yeah. The uh, 2013 film, I think I would have to give it a 4.2. Nice. Oh, nice. you really nice. liked it. I really enjoyed it. It was... I also... I, I don't know, because I think that I might have enjoyed it so much because I just watched it in quick succession. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it was just a more put-together movie that you could easily walk, uh, watch. And I don't know. I think that it was a, a better film. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it definitely intrigues me to have, if any of us would have at least seen the original so we could have watched the two movies years apart from each other versus all of us having mm, seen right. experienced them back-to-back for the first time. It kind of had maybe a different you know, think opinion the- in that the um the nostalgia for it would have changed our minds a little bit exactly i'm curious to see how one of us might have had a different opinion so it's kind of a bummer that we had all not experienced either of them coming up to this well Um, i can tell you this is that i don't think that i would have enjoyed the original half as much if i hadn't seen the 2013 version right after it i agree Mm -hmm. i think these movies handhold each other so well i think i would have been I, I don't know. The thing is, is I like the original. So it's like, I can understand how, like, if you'd have seen the original and have only, you may not have even ever wanted to watch the Japanese remake because yeah. you're like, I don't even give a shit about the original. I don't <laughs> want to watch the remake of it. Um, but I'm going to give both of these movies a 3.6. Okay. Uh, mm. Which is basically good. Yeah. For what they are, but exactly nothing I would put on for myself casually yeah. ever again um or really even necessarily go out of my way to be like hey you need to watch this movie this, these, these movies you know <laughs> unless it was just for like the if you really want to see a cool you really see the difference in filmmaking between cultures you know and what i mean because four and a half hours you know what i would really love also if they, they could have come out just a little closer together and it wasn't <laughs> over 20 years right. of advancements yeah. in filmmaking between them True. because it'd be really cool to see unforgiven with, like, you know, 1994. 1994. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, I, I agree. Get a, like um, a 2040 version. Okay, so that's <laughs> what I was going to ask. I was going to say um, reboots are happening faster and faster these days. Let's say next year they're coming out with the next Unforgiven remake, <laughs> and you are in charge. You have to place it in a different country, and 
if you want to do the same time period, you can. But what would you do? Same time period, both aliens. (laughs) Is that really your pitch? No, I think that I would do, honestly, I've been playing a lot of medieval games, so probably medieval time era Mm. and probably like middle of, of like Slavic countries. Interesting. Probably like Bohemia, Czechoslovakia. That's very cool. I like that idea. What about you, Paul Damien? Do you have one? I would probably do um, like Nordic. That's that cool. cool. Like Vikings almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. So I think it would be really badass, you know, because you could go kind of all out with it. See, and I'm, at, I'm imagining very like a aztec or even Native American oh. in kind of a way of like, you know. That, Mel Gibson can direct. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mel, yeah. <laughs> Like I'm, Apocalypto. And Mel Gibson <laughs> will be every character. Apocalypto, <laughs> <laughs> god damn it. Um, mine would be uh, the 80s, and it would be Ooh. Russian mobsters. Ooh. Miami? Cocaine? Uh, no, in Russia. Oh, okay. Russian yeah. mobsters. Like, Well, you can have Russian mobsters no, outside of Russia. Russian mobsters? <laughs> no, that's, that's all they're in. They're just in <laughs> Russia. They live in Moscow. That's the only Russian place I know. <laughs> The Kremlin. That's in Moscow. <laughs> I know. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, follow us on Instagram. That's going to be in the show notes. Hit up our DMs if you have any suggestions. Or if you want to call us idiots, you can do that too. So I will respond. We'll have fun, pal. Um, Next time you hear from us, we're going to be talking about the Suicide Squad. Yes, by two. James Gunn. It's not two. It's one. What? It's one. It's, it's, it's the really, Suicide yeah, it's, Squad. It's a remake. <laughs> It's Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> you guys should talk about the original and the remake. Fuck oh, my God. I hate you, oh Todd. My God. Todd, I'm going to beat your ass once this is over. Um, thank you guys for listening. Come back next week, please. Um, it, I mean, I'd understand if you wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. Daddy, I can't wait. I have to take a bite of this panini. I press the wrong. Next week is panini, so <laughs> we will see you then, or we'll see you on another time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, boy. Bye. Vegas on the men, Jay. Mm-hmm.